It's a blowout. Eighth inning, 10-3. Bases are loaded for Verlander, who waits out the real pitch. He swings, and it's a high fly ball. Deep center field. It is gone. Home run. And a huge backflip to celebrate. All right, Ben, start the show already. What is up, everybody? Welcome into Flippin' Bats, episode four. I am your host, Ben Verlander. We got a great show for you today. I'm pumped up. We got some storylines to go through, storylines of the week. We got a very special guest joining us in Jeff McNeil of the New York Mets. We got some hotline questions, my favorite part of the show where you guys get to be involved. And of course, the six-tool player of the week to finish it up. But let's get right into it with some storylines from this past week. And I'm going to start with the, the Padres and the Dodgers series. Now, I've been so excited for this series. I've really anticipated it, and it did not disappoint. It was awesome from start to finish. Every single game was incredible. The first game of the series, Friday night, was perhaps the best game of the year so far. It ended up going into extra innings, and it ended up looking like a blowout. So this is the problem with the West Coast games. If you go to sleep on the East Coast, you watch the first few innings and you wake up and see the final score, you're like, eh, I didn't even really miss anything. It was a blowout. No, this game was incredible. The entire game was awesome. You go into Saturday and uh, just a, another great game, a pitcher's duel on Saturday, which the, the Saturday and Sunday games were most anticipated for me with the, with the pitching matchups. You had Hugh Darvish and Clayton Kershaw. You had Blake Snell and Trevor Bauer. And they did not disappoint. The Padres ended up pulling out one on Sunday. Uh, the Dodgers ended up pulling out the first two. But honestly, the Padres scored more runs than the Dodgers did all series. So for those of you saying, ah, you know, just what we thought, the Dodgers are way better. Look, I do think the Dodgers are the better team. But the Padres might be the second best team in baseball. And, and this series was awesome. The Padres outscored the Dodgers, in, except for that extra inning in the first game. So in the, in the nine innings, in all the nine innings, the Padres scored more runs. So, look, this series from start to finish was awesome. And they do it all again this coming weekend for a four-game set, this time in Los Angeles. Next, we got Carlos Rodon of the Chicago White Sox throwing a near-perfect game. So, we haven't seen a perfect game since King Felix a long time ago. We almost had it. It got to the ninth inning. It got to the point where I started, like, recording stuff and getting it ready, what I was going to say. But you know what? He hit a guy on the back foot, barely skimmed it. Guy gets on first base, but he locked back in. He locked back in and nailed down the no-hitter. And, you know, I was really excited for him. I actually got to play. He, he went to NC State. I went to Old Dominion. We played against each other in college. Uh, so I got to uh, – he, he, he didn't throw against us, but I got to know him there. And then, you know, for everything he's gone through injury-wise, he was a big name coming out of the draft, a big prospect for these guys. And it just never really panned out. He came up, made his debut, had some flashes of brilliance, and, you know, just injury bug. And after injury after injury kept coming up and piling on top of it. And, you know, it, it never really panned out for him. And it all led up to the, the White Sox non-tendering him this past offseason. And, you know, he didn't have a team. And he ends up re-signing with the White Sox, um, gets back to the major leagues, makes a start, and, and <laughs> I mean, here you have it, a no-hitter after everything he's been through. Really awesome. You know, it, it got to the point where he was throwing 90-91 in some games, and that's just not him. 
And, you know, watching him in the ninth inning of that in that no hitter, he was throwing 99 miles an hour. I was in my living room pumped up, like pacing back and forth in the room. And I saw he hit 99 to like the second or third batter of the inning. And I was like, oh, my God, it was so awesome. Uh, so it's really good to see him back. And congrats to Carlos Rodon on the no hitter. Next storyline of the week, I have to go with the Boston Red Sox. Now, I talked about them in one of the earlier episodes, um, and I actually went on paper, went on tape early in the year saying, I believe in the Red Sox this year. I really do. You know, everybody's talking about the Yankees and talking about what the the Blue Jays did, and I I like what the Blue Jays did. I, I like the Blue Jays. But everybody was sleeping on this Red Sox team. So I went out on a limb and said, you know what? I think this team's going to be pretty good. You know what they did in the first series of the year? They got swept by the Orioles. So I went on this show and said, you know what? I might have been wrong. They look like the worst team in the league. Well, you know what they've done now? They won nine straight. They have now taken the lead in the AL East. They have the best record in the American League. They're playing great. I feel great about my prediction. They got the home run cart rolling. One of the best celebrations in all of baseball. Guy hits a homer, comes back in the dugout, hops in the shopping cart, and they push him down to the other end. <laughs> Who doesn't want to hit a home run now? It's incredible. The Red Sox are rolling. J.D. Martinez and Xander Bogarts in the middle of that lineup are both hitting over 350. I mean, this team is rolling, and, and this is what I thought would be would, the Red Sox would look like. Offensively, just putting up runs in bunches. Monday morning, they played the 11 a.m. Eastern time game. They put up six runs on Giolito in the first inning. Lucas Giolito is one of the best pitchers in in all of baseball. They came out of the gates swinging uh, in those yellow uh, Boston Marathon uniforms, put up six in the first, got the victory. They look great, and they are on top of the AL East. So those are my storylines of the week. So now I wanted to welcome in our special guest, second baseman for the New York Mets, Jeff McNeil. Jeff, what is up, man? Thank you so much for joining me. Yeah, no problem. Uh, you know, thanks for having me. Of course, man. Hey, so I was watching a bunch of uh, spring training games from this year, and you got hit eight times in spring training. Well, <laughs> what was up with all the hit-by-pitches this year? Yeah, I, I have no clue. Um, you know, I like to stand on the plate a little bit, but, uh, you know, I think um, – I think they were just all kind of flukes, you know, uh, you know, a few uh, sliders getting away from some lefties and um, a few uh, back foot, uh, you know, curveballs. So, you know, didn't hit me hard, which is good. You know, I'm still still healthy. So uh, you know, that's what that's what matters. <laughs> good. All right. So one thing I, that we're going to do on the show is we're going to have um, a, a trivia trivia right off the bat. There's going to be a bunch of questions. You're going to have 60 seconds to answer. It's all stuff from your career. And we're going to have a flipping bats uh, record book. So, like, you know, however many, who, we're going to see who gets the most correct. So, right off the top. You ready to roll? Let's do it. All right, 60 seconds when I start the first question. Let's go. Ready? Who was your first home run off of? Uh, Tanner Roark. Okay. Who was your first career hit against? Bill Hughes. Who was your first career strikeout against? Oof. Someone from the Pirates. I have no clue, though. <laughs> Where did you bat in the lineup in your first Major League A-B? Uh, seventh. Who did you sub in for? Oh, wait. wait. 
first major league I beat when I was ninth. Sorry, it was ninth. Yeah. Uh, pinch hit. That's what, yeah. Who did you pinch hit for? Uh, Phil Evans. Yes. Who was your last minor league game against? Reno Aces. Okay. What number did you make your MLB debut wearing? 68. Yes. Where was your first away game in the MLB? Uh, Pittsburgh. Yes. All right. That is it. You got that one. That was good. That was good. Yeah, no, that was far too bad. <laughs> yeah, so what well, we have, we have your last minor league game against the Connecticut Tigers, which was a, a rehab game, though. Rehab game, that doesn't count. Yeah, that, that, I, I, no. I think we should count the Reno Aces. Yeah, no, last, uh, yeah, last, yeah, for sure, it was Reno Aces, drove home, and then uh, got the call the next day on off day. So I remember that, uh, you know, pretty well. <laughs> so, so speaking of the minor leagues, I, I always ask this, this question off the top. Baseball is so unique in that everybody goes through the minor leagues. You, you don't start right at the major leagues. So everybody goes through the system, no matter whether you're drafted first or last in the draft. What is a minor league story that has stuck with you still to this day? Um, you know, there's one time, uh, so I, I had a lot of, uh, you know, injuries in the minor leagues, uh, you know, missed a couple of years and the one, um, you know, kind of memory I have, um, that I still, I still get brought up today is, uh, you know, I was playing in uh, Jupiter, um, and I'm laying on the floor of the locker room. I'm, I've got a heat pad on my, uh, my leg, a heat pad on my back. Um, I'm hurting, uh, you know, it's just, it's just grinding. And, uh, one of my teammates took a picture and, uh, you know, I, I, that, that picture still, uh, you know, uh, showing to me today, I, you know, I still remember it. Um, you know, every time we go to Jupiter, he's laying on the floor right there, you know, getting ready for the game. And, um, you know, it, it was tough. Uh, you know, it was a long, long journey for me, you know, battling through all those injuries, but, uh, you know, I remember that, I remember that day, you know, um, you know, still today and, um, you know, just, uh, you know, lets me know that, you know, I went through, you know, a long, tough journey, but, uh, you know, I made it. Yeah, you know, I, I was going to ask you about that because we, we got to know each other fairly well in the minor leagues and played against each other quite a bit. And, and I actually remember one season when I was still playing in Florida and you had moved up, but you had, you had just missed a full year, basically. You came back, and this was your first game back after a pretty serious injury. And I remember I, I got on second base, um, and, and we talked for a second during a pitching change. And just like seeing the look on your face, finally being back out there after so long and so many injuries and working your way back, I, like, I remember seeing it, and, and it was pretty cool because I knew how much it meant to you. What, what have you done to, to really focus and, and make a change and focus on your body to prevent stuff like that from happening? You know, you can never really prevent um, it, but... Yeah, yeah, no. Um, I mean, if you, you know, you remember me pretty well, I was, you know, 160 pounds, you know, pretty <laughs> small in the minor And, you know, I made it, you know, uh, a big point uh, um, to, you know, gain weight and gain strength and, um, you know, be able to change that, you know, power aspect of my game. And, um, you know, I did that um, in an off season, I absolutely crushed it in the gym and, um, you know, eat, eating tons of food and, you know, put on all that, that weight. But I think I did a little bit too quickly and, um, you know, my body just didn't really adjust to it. And, you know, I ended up getting hurt. Um, but, you know, I think once my, uh, you know, body adjusted to the, to the new weight, um, you know, it's been so much easier to, you know, stay healthy. 
Um, you know, I'm doing everything I can in the, in the gym right now to, uh, you know, just, ma just ma maintain, um, you know, uh, you know, my weight and, um, you know, just, uh, you know, we got a great training staff that, you know, keeps healthy. So, um, you know, just, it, it, it's, it's, it's a long season, but, uh, you know, you gotta, you gotta take care of your body and, um, you know, you gotta stay healthy. Yeah. Well, one thing that, you know, you and I have kind of kept contact through, you know, DMs or whatever it may be since we, we played against each other. And one thing that I didn't know that in hindsight, I feel like an idiot for, you posted something on Instagram not too long ago. It was like your golf swing or a scorecard or something. And I said like, dang, dude, like actually looking like you know what you're doing out there. Turns out you're like a scratch golfer. You're ridiculous. You almost went and played in college. And your response basically was like not making me feel so bad, but you're like, yeah, dude, I'm 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 pretty good. <laughs> so, so tell me about. So you played you played golf. You played uh, you were stud in, in basketball um, in, in high school. Tell me about playing all those different sports growing up. Um. Yeah. No. Golf was you know my one of my main sports. Um. You know when I got to high school. Uh, our, our high school golf team was, was incredible. So, uh, you know, I wanted to play golf, wanted to play college golf. So, you know, I went that route and, um, didn't really, uh, you know, pan out for me, you know, didn't really have, uh, you know, too many scholarships, um, or opportunity to play at the next level. So, you know, started playing baseball again, um, you know, started playing really well, uh, in, in high school on, on a, a travel ball scout team that I was on and, um, was lucky enough to, uh, you know, get a scholarship, uh, to go play at, uh, at Long Beach state. So, um, you know, it worked out, um, you know, baseball was kind of my plan B in high school, but, uh, you know, it ended up, uh, you know, being a, you know, pretty amazing plan B. I, I would say it, it's worked out pretty good for you. So where, you know, I know, I know you still are a big golfer. I think you just got off the golf course. Where is, what's the, what's your favorite course you've ever played? And what is a course that you're like dying to get on? It's like a bucket list course for you. Uh, you know, favorite course, um, I got to play uh, Cypress Point this this off season. Uh, you know, it's pretty incredible. Basically, you know, all those golf courses on the on the Monterey Peninsula are you know fantastic. Uh, you know, took a trip trip up there. Got to play uh, you know Pebble, um, Spyglass, Spanish Spanish Bay, and uh, uh, Monterey Peninsula Country Club. So you know, got to play all those. Those are you know pretty incredible. Um, but I think you know bucket list bucket list course. You know, definitely Augusta. You know, that's yeah. that's the dream. That's every dream. Um, you know, whatever I have to do to get on there, uh, you know, I'd do it. So, uh, you know, that, that that's number one. Um, if I ever get the opportunity to play there, I think it'd be a, a, a dream come true. Dude, I just played uh, I just played Cyprus last year, like a year ago in February, I played Cyprus. And I actually saw, I had never seen a hole-in-one in person. And I saw my buddy, and I was playing with my buddy and my brother the day before the Pebble Beach tournament. Uh, my buddy yeah. hit one, and then the next day, the start of the tournament over at uh, Spyglass, uh, or yeah, Spyglass, Victor Hovland had one in the actual tournament, and I was on the tee box for it. But that whole area is so, so freaking beautiful, man. No, oh, yeah, no, you can't, you can't beat the, can't beat the Monterey Peninsula. Yeah. So you talked about, um, you talked about playing in college at Long Beach State. You never in your college career had had a home run there, and then. You know, now fast forward to the big leagues, and I wouldn't say you're you're labeled a power hitter, but you got some pop. You certainly got some pop. What was there? Was it a swing change? Was it um, was it something? Is it you getting into the gym? What was that? Um, I think it was you know me getting in the gym, 
Um, you know, I've always been a good hitter. I've always been able to, you know, barrel the ball. Um, but when I barreled it, it didn't go too far. So, uh, you know, I think, you know, getting in the gym, uh, you know, definitely helped that. And, you know, those balls that I barreled, you know, started to go over the fence. Um, you know, I saw that, you know, uh, change. I think we were playing you guys that first game back. Um, I think I hit a home run first at bat. Uh, you know, that's something I never did when I was in the Florida State League. So, you know, just to be able to see, you know, the changes, uh, you know, so, uh, you know, fast, it was, it was, it was nice. That's it. So you, that was kind of the turning point. So you went through this kind of complete overhaul with your body and, and getting yourself to, to where you wanted to be. And your body wasn't ready to do that yet. And, and it kind of, you know, broke down on you. But, but then when you worked your way back and got yourself into a position, your first game back is when you're like, uh Oh, I got, I got some pop now. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I, uh, you know, hit, hit that home run, you know, I was feeling really good. I think I had a, you know, fantastic game that day and um you know was uh was playing actually really well and actually unfortunately uh you know I I tore uh I ended up getting injured a, a, you know a week or two later I um I kind of hurt my quad the, the day before but you know I really hurt it the next day it was when I, I hit a home run and was rounding first base and uh my quad just gave out um so unfortunately I got I got hurt uh you know hitting a home run but uh you know, the, the power has definitely been there since, uh, you know, I put on that weight. It's, you know, it's, it's, you know, pretty, pretty nice to see. So now you're, uh, now you're in the big leagues. You're going to be the second baseman for the Mets as, as you have been in the past, but it's going to look a little bit different this year. You guys had arguably the, the biggest signing of the off season and, uh, your double play combo up the middle is, is the best shortstop in baseball, if not one of the best. Um, what has that been like um, having him in spring training and, and so far this year working with him up the middle? Uh, you know, it's been, been fantastic. Um, you know, Francisco's, uh, he's great. Uh, you know, just learning from him, he knows the, the game, uh, you know, extremely well. And, um, you know, great teammate, uh, you know, great to be around every single day. You know, he's, you know, that guy you see on TV every day, uh, you know, smiling, having fun, you know, just loving the game. So, uh, you know, it's been, uh, you know, fantastic to, uh, you know, learn from him and, you know, I'm really looking forward to, uh, you know, playing up the playing up the middle with them. I always wonder because when, when there's a big, like, uh, a big trade between, you know, with, with a team, whether it be a, a pitcher or a catcher, somebody will typically reach out to the other person before it's, it's go time. But I, I've always wondered, like, you know, you two are going to be working a lot up the middle, and it's important to have that chemistry. Was there any contact between the two of you before you headed down to spring training, or, or was it, is, is that when it first started? Uh, you know, it, it was kind of in spring training. Um, I knew him a little bit from I met him in uh, in Cleveland from the all from the, uh, at the All Star game. So I knew him a little bit. Um, we spent like the, one of the, the first nights, uh, you know, ha hanging out a little bit. So uh, you know, I got to know him a little bit then. Um, but yeah, he reached out. Um, you know, just kind of some group group text with you know all the infielders. So uh, you know, there's a little bit of communication there. But yeah, no, we've been uh, you know communicating well. Um, you know, once we got to spring training, you know, getting the um, you know, learn how, uh, you know, the other person plays and, you know, double play feeds where we all want it and, you know, all that good stuff. But, uh, you know, the, the communication, you know, has been great between us. An another thing you guys did this offseason is, is you now have a new owner. Steve Cohen is the new owner of the Mets. And, you know, typically that wouldn't be as big of a deal as, as this is because he's, he's so unique from the other 29. He's, he's very active on Twitter. Um, he asks people questions. He answers questions. Um, what has what has that been like? Has there been a, a trickle down to to the locker room? Um, yeah, no, it's just you know kind of a you know culture change, and um, you know it's been it's been fantastic too. 
um, you know, have Steve around and, uh, you know, he's been down to spring training, you know, and interacting, um, you know, watching the team. So, uh, you know, it's been great. And, um, you know, he's going to do, uh, you know, fantastic things, fantastic things for this team. You know, he's a uh, you know, diehard Mets fan, which, which is awesome. So, you know, he wants the, the, the best team out on the field and uh, you know, he's going to do whatever it takes to win. He, it certainly appears he's going to do whatever it takes to win. He, he's signed, uh, he got acquired Lindor. Uh, McCann, May, a bunch of huge pieces for you guys. But the biggest thing, in my opinion, that he has done for the New York Mets thus far is he is bringing back the black jerseys. I am so pumped for that. Are, are, are you guys excited for those? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I used to love the black jerseys. Uh, yeah, they're just, they're clean. They look good. Uh, it's a lot of fun. You know, uh, you know, I got uh, Pete Alonzo. He's been, uh, you know, wanting those back ever since he got, he got called up to the, to the big leagues. So, uh, you know, we're all uh, super excited to have him back and, and uh, you know, we can't wait. I know we're not going to wear him a whole lot, but uh, you know, for those nights uh, that we do, it's going to be a lot of fun. Have you, so you haven't, you haven't worn them, correct? They, they've been gone for, for two. So you haven't, right? Yeah. They've gone a little too long. You know, I had never got to wear them. I, I feel like they're like the most talked about, like it's not just Mets fans that wanted these black jerseys back. Every, everybody wanted them back. And when, Cohen first got on Twitter and said, hey, it's me. I'm the new owner of the Mets. What do you guys want to see? It wasn't like sign this person, sign this person. It was bring back the black jerseys. So I'm super pumped for those. And I did see it, it's not going to be a normal part of the rotation, correct? You guys are going to be select. Few yeah, I think select few games. Um, yeah, not sure. Not sure exactly when, but um, yeah, I know it's just a, it's a select few games. We'll be uh, breaking those out. So a lot of the there there have been a lot of new signings as we just talked about, and you guys are playing in, in my opinion, the best division in all of baseball. The NL East, pretty much from top to bottom, is going to be really really good. And there's a lot of young studs and a lot of firepower, and and you guys have your fair share. That is for sure. So what is it going to be like this year for you? playing in that division are you excited to play against you know every single night is going to be you know the best in the league coming at you um yeah absolutely you know I love the NL East uh you know all I really know is the NL East uh you know ever since I got called up so uh you know I've been playing in this division for you know a long time and um you know I think it's the best division in baseball you know every single night is uh you know it's a it's a fight it's a grind um you know, we have, there's there's five teams that uh, you know are very good in this division. You know, everyone you know kind of counts out the Marlins, and I think they're a uh, you know very scrappy uh, you know team. They they play they play uh, you know the right way. They made the playoffs um, last you know, they, year. Yeah, playoffs last year. You know, look, I mean, they, they're they're a sneaky team. You know, their their pitching's uh, you know very good. So uh, you know, there's there's no easy wins in this division. Um, you know, it's gonna be it's gonna be a battle to the end. But uh, you know, I like I like our team a lot. Um, you know, we only got better from last year. So, uh, you know, hopefully, you know, the first goal is, you know, get back to the playoffs and, uh, you know, anything can happen from there. Yep, I agree. So one thing that, that you now use is, or, or I don't even know if it's now used, but I know you use a novelist bat. And I've, I've fooled around with novelist bats in the cage, and I, I just, I can't do it. it. It's so difficult for me. It's the weirdest feeling in the world. When, when, did, you, when did you get into that? When did you start using a novelist bat? I think it was in 2015, um, started using it a little bit, um, you know, right before I got hurt, uh, you know, started using it, uh, you know, really liked how it felt, you know, it was just a very balanced bat. It's kind of like a, you know, M110, you know, very balanced, 
um, you know, felt good in my hands, just didn't happen to have a knob, um, you know, not by, not by choice, but it's just the first one handed to me. So, you know, started, uh, you know, using it and, uh, you know, loved it and been using it ever since, but, uh, you know, actually been, uh, you know, kind of tinkering a little bit, uh, you know, spring training, I was using, uh, you know, Pete Alonzo's bat a little bit, uh, you know, felt, felt really good. Um, you know, it's got a little bit bigger barrels, so, you know, it's a little bit, you know, more behind, uh, more behind it. Uh, but, uh, you know, we'll, we'll see what I go with this year. Was it somebody, did somebody suggest that to you? Like, was it, was it somebody on the Mets that was like, dude, I use a novel flat bat try it out? Uh, no, it was, it was our, it was our hitting coordinator. Okay. Uh, he, uh, he had one and, uh, you know, kind of had a, you know, box of them in the back. He's like, here, you want to, you want to try this? And the first one I ever swung was like a 35 and, uh, you know, felt, felt great. Um, you know, just choked up on it. That's why I, you know, still choke up on it to, to today. And, um, you know, had a, had a decent sized barrel. So, you know, as long as I connected on it, the ball, the ball jumped. Yeah. Um, the flying squirrel. Tell me how that came about. How, how did that nickname come about? That was in, uh, college, you know, I had, I had a teammate, uh, you know, I used to play, you know, I played a lot in outfield in college. So, yeah. uh, you know, uh, I was, uh, you know, making some, making some diving catches and, uh, you know, uh, one of my teammates started calling me the, the flying squirrel out there and, uh, <laughs> you know, I wasn't a huge fan of it. And then one of my teammates found my roommate actually in rookie ball. He, he found out and, uh, you know, brought it into the, you know, the minor league clubhouse. <laughs> and, um, I was hoping it kind of got left in the minor league clubhouse. It didn't, it, it made, it made its way to the major league clubhouse. And, uh, you know, it, it is what it is, but uh, you know, I'm enjoying it and, uh, you know, you know, learning, learning to love it. You were that close to escaping it. Your rookie ball yeah, right. roommate found it out, and now it's with you today in the big leagues. <laughs> yeah, no, and then it's, it's stuck with me ever since. So, uh, yeah, just enjoying it now. <laughs> uh, so one thing we, we want to do on this show is, is create a, a rule book. All right, so everybody that we have on, we're, we're going we're gonna to put together a rule book of something that they come up with. So what I want to ask you is, if you were commissioner for a day, what is one rule that you would take away or add um, to help grow the game for, for the audience? Um, so I'm a guy who, who likes to beat the shift. I mean, teams will shift me, um, but, you know, I, I enjoy hitting the ball the other way. I know I can beat the shift, beat the shift when I have to. I think if there was no shifting, I think it would, um, you know, improve you know there'd be much more action you know those big pull hitters uh you know they can go ahead and just let it rip and uh you know shoot balls uh you know through the four and six hole i think um i think that would be good um i know they are trying it in uh you know the the minor leagues this year so yeah. uh, you know we'll see how it goes but uh you know i mean me, me as a second baseman um you know a few times in spring training i was playing basically right field and just got you know 112 mile an hour line drives right at me that were you know routine place so um, you know, there's no real action, you know, the guys out at first, um, but the guy, you know, the guy made a good swing, but you know, nothing really happened. So, <laughs> you know, if I wasn't standing there, that's, big, uh, you know, you know, uh, stuff, you know, much, much more action. I think if, if there is no shifting, but, uh, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens there. So I am, I'm personally super pumped up to get back to 162 game season. What happened last year, the, the country shut down, there wasn't baseball for a while. And, um, there was an MLB The Show Players League that you partook in, and you were, you were the, the rep for the Mets. One, well, first question, how, how did you do in that tournament? I, I don't remember. 
Uh, I think I got third. I lost in the semifinals. I lost to uh, Blake Snell. So, uh, you know, we, we had a good little good little matchup. Uh, I think I won the first, then he won the next two. So it was best of, uh, you know, best two or three in the, in the semifinals. But, uh, you know, had, had a good, uh, good showing. It was fun. Uh, you know, got to play a little bit of the show um, during the pandemic. So, you know, it wasn't all too bad. Yeah, so that's another thing you and I have discussed. We're gonna we're gonna have to play at some point, um, and and we're gonna we've had Reese Hoskins on, and and we're gonna play each other, and he's said he could beat me, but th- that seems doubtful. But I feel like you'd be, I feel like you're gonna be a better matchup. I know you're good at the game. I know you stream as well, um, and I know you you've streamed the show. So we're definitely gonna have to get our game in at some point and see who the better player is. Yeah, absolutely. You know, you just let me know when, and uh, you know we can do it. All right, sounds good. So, um, so I want to ask you some questions. We ask these three questions to everybody. Um, some career moments. Uh, so I'm going to ask you three questions pertaining to your career. Um, first would be, what was your welcome to the MLB moment? Uh, definitely, you know, my, my debut. Um, you know, I got a pinch hit in the, I think it was the eighth inning. Um, and, you know, I was walking to the plate and, um, you know, just to, just to hear the, you know, the city field crowd, uh, you know, kind of, um, they, they, they knew I was getting called up and they knew who I was, you know, they were following me in the minor leagues. So, uh, you know, just to kind of hear the buzz in the stadium, um, you know, when I was walking to the plate, it was, you know, pretty incredible. You know, I just, uh, you know, stood there kind of, kind of, you know, looked around, enjoyed it. Um, took it in. And, you know, uh, you know, it was, yeah, I, I soaked it all in and, uh, you know, you know me, I'm a first, first pitch swinger. So, you know, I, uh, you know, swing at the first pitch and, you know, I was lucky enough to get a, you know, fastball, I think about as middle, middle as it can get. And, uh, you know, drove up the middle. So, uh, you know, when I, once, yeah, once I got on first base, uh, you know, I knew I was in the big leagues and, uh, you know, hopefully, you know, here to stay for a long time. What's your most memorable play that you've made on the field? Um, I would either say, you know, defensively, uh, it was either the catch. Um, I made a diving catch in, in Fenway Park. Um, you know, uh, you know, in short, uh, you know, right field is a, um, you know, all out diving catch. You know, that was that was a lot of fun, and um, you had know, to do it in Fenway Park. You know, it was pretty cool. Um, or the the catch I made in Chicago, where um, you know I went into the net. Uh, you know, that was a pretty unique catch, and you know that's the one that you know everyone seems to talk about. Um, what is a moment that stands out to you with teammates that has taken place off of the field? Oh man, ah, oh, no, we had too many. Uh, you know, we we're always going to dinner and you know having a good time. You know, uh, um, there was one one dinner. It wasn't wasn't during the season. It was um, during our during our fan fest in, in January. We went to uh, you know Salt Bay's uh, restaurant in New York, um, and it was like a Saturday night and. Um, you know, I think there was eight of us. It was uh, me, Dom, uh, Pete, uh, Nemo, uh, um, and JD. And you know, it was just amazing dinner. A lot of fun. A lot of good stories. Um, you know, a lot, a lot of dancing and uh, you know, partying. Uh, you know, in the restaurant, and it, it was just a you know, fantastic time. And uh, you know, just just great time with the guys. Who's the best dancer of that group? Oh yeah, I think I gotta go. I want to say Dom. Whoa. I, think, I think Dom's got some moves that are, uh, you know, I think Dom, Dom can move. Oh, no, sorry. Actually, no, I'm changing my answer. I, I got to go Pete. Uh, <laughs> Pete's got a uh, fantastic video. Dancing, uh, 
at the the, the Florida Gator game, and uh, <laughs> yeah, it was great. Yeah, no, no for sure. Oh my God! Yeah, I mean, you know, take take a look at that video. Yeah, I'm definitely gonna have to check out that video. Was was Salt Bay? So it was his restaurant. Was he was he there? Like, did he do the did he do the thing? Yeah, uh, he wasn't there. Uh, but uh, you know, they they go around, they do the whole thing, and uh, you know, the DJ was uh, you know, the DJ was awesome that night, and um, we we got we got some good videos from that night. That's cool. So I wanted to circle back. I had a feeling uh, the play in the Chicago in Chicago might be one of your most memorable plays on the field. I wanted to ask you about that play because the netting hasn't always gone all the way down the line. It still doesn't in, in a lot of stadiums. So, you know, that was that was kind of new, but you made the catch running into foul territory, not a lot of room for you, and then you jumped. You jumped and leapt and and got caught up in the net. Were you aware of that when when you jumped? What was going through your head right before that? Um, yeah, you know, when he hit the ball, I knew it was going to be, you know, pretty close to, um, you know, the fence and the netting. And I knew it was a low, um, very low, uh, a wall. Um, I knew there was a net as well. Um, I wasn't sure, uh, you know, what was going to happen if I ran into that <laughs> net. Um, but I was more worried, I think, about my leg, um, you know, catching it and, uh, you know, running into, you know, the low wall. So, um, you know, right when I caught it, I think I thought it was best, you know, just jump and get over this wall. And, um, yeah, I guess whatever happens, happens. And, uh, you know, luckily, I, I knew the net was there. Um, luckily, it kind of shot me back, um, you know, into play. Um, you know, it could have been, it could have been much, much worse. But, uh, you know, it was, you know, definitely one of the most memorable plays of, you know, my career. And, you know, it was, it was a lot of fun doing it, too. One way or the other, it's going to be better than not doing it and taking out your legs. Either there's the net that is there and it's going to save you, or the, the fans always seem to, like, grab you when you jump into the stands so one way or the other it was going to be a better result than just taking your knees and blowing your knees out yeah absolutely you know i was hoping you know we get a lot of mets fans on the road so i'm hoping if i uh you know jump over the um jump over the wall there you know they're, they're, they're there to catch me well jeff thank you so much dude for for joining me today um i'm so excited for to watch the mets this year i'm excited for you this season Good luck to you guys the rest of the way. Thank you so much for coming on. Hope to have you on again sometime soon, man. Yeah, thanks for having me. It was a, it was a lot of fun. Of course, man. See ya. All right, I just wanted to thank Jeff McNeil for joining me. He was the guinea pig for the trivia section that we're going to start. We're going to ask every guest some trivia questions, and we're going to kind of have like a, a grade book for them and, and see who can do the best, see what grade they get. So, Jeff, Thank you so much for joining me. I really enjoyed uh, that interview. And I wanted to swing it right into the voicemail questions, my favorite part of the show where you guys get to be a part of it and send in your hot mail questions, anything you have that you want to be answered, any hot takes you have, any burning questions, any fiery, passionate, you hate your team questions, whatever it may be. So make sure you're calling 213-537-9339 to get those questions in. So Rick, hit me with the first one. Hey, Ben, love the show. It's George from Richmond, Virginia. One question for you. Is Brian Cashman on the hot seat? Oh, is Brian Cashman uh, of the Yankees on the hot seat? I would say, look, so the Yankees are struggling, and, and they have the worst record in baseball, which is shocking. They have, and in the American League, they have the worst record which, which is shocking. Um, on paper, the New York Yankees have, 
I don't think it's far-fetched to say the best the best team on paper in the American League, if not, you know, a top three. I, I would say they have the best team on paper in the American League. And that is Brian Cashman's job, to put the best team on the field. I think he's done that. So where's the problem? Here's the problem. The Yankees are playing bad everywhere, offensively, defensively. They have Garrett Cole and Jordan Montgomery pitching, but beyond them, pitching's not great either. They're not doing any part of the game well. So if I'm, to, if I'm asked who is on the hot seat, because I don't think it's Cashman, I got to go with Aaron Boone. Um, the team on paper that he has to work with is good. And, and they're just not playing good uh, in no facet of the game. Uh, so I, I believe Aaron Boone is on the hot seat because, look, this team needs to be winning. New York will be calling for heads soon. Look, it's still early. I know that. It's still early. Every team goes through rough stretches. But it looks really, really bad when you go through a rough stretch to start the year. And two weeks into the year, you're in dead last place in the division that features the Orioles, which, let's be honest, they're on the up. But they're not very good. To be in dead last place in the AL East is not a good thing. And Aaron Boone is the one that I believe is going to be on the hot seat here soon. Let's get to the next question. Hey, Ben, this is Ryan, big fan of the pod. I was curious what you think about the latest rulings about moving the mound back 12 inches. I'm curious about your thoughts if it's really what baseball should move to to get more action in the game. I personally think it's not a great idea, and I think it'll potentially lead to more pitchers' arms getting hurt. So I'd love to hear your feedback. Thanks. Bye. Uh, thank you for the question. He asked about moving the mound back a foot. Uh, this has been talked about quite a bit in the last couple of weeks. They're experimenting with that in uh, an independent league. Look, I was a hitter. I hit professionally. This rule seemingly is to help hitters you know pitchers arms are, are getting better everyone's throwing 95 to 100 that this is to help the batter right this is to level the playing field uh, get more balls put in play um, so from a hitter's perspective you know it, it, it's to help a hitter I played professionally as an outfielder I hit I hate this rule I, I hate the potential of moving the mound back. Here's why. I grew up my entire life playing on a field at a, you know, not at a young age because the mound's only 40 feet away, whatever it may be. Once you get old enough, in middle school, you move to a field at 90 feet bases and a pitcher's mound that is 60 feet six inches away. I have been training my entire life to hit a pitcher that's standing 60 feet six inches away from me. My entire life. I've everything I do, my timing. Um, look, this is what it comes down to. And I didn't think about this until recently when somebody was talking to me about this. There were times when I would be playing pro ball and facing a guy throwing 100 miles an hour. And it's literally to the point where I have to time my blinking. I'm in the box trying to get my timing down. And I know what I need to do. I know when I need to get started. I know how I need to get into position. And I know down to the millisecond when I need to blink. This is going to throw off everything. Like, like he asked in the question or, or, or said, he, he, and see, she, he thinks injuries could come about. I agree. Moving pitchers a, a foot further back? Yeah, 
Yeah, injuries. But but from a batter's perspective, the one that's supposed to help, it's not going to help. Look, pitchers are going to the pitch will be coming in slower. I I guess would be you know what what their thought is is look instead of everybody throwing a hundred now like by the time it gets to you it'll be less. Look, I don't care. At the professional level, everybody can hit a hundred mile an hour fastball. I could hit a hundred mile an hour fastball. The problem comes you know when when you get sliders, uh, your mentality, uh, you know pitch location. It's not it's not the velocity. And and even if it is, I've trained for this my whole life. This is what I've trained for since I was. 12 years old, 60 feet, six inches away. Not 61 feet, six inches, not whatever it may be. This is a terrible idea, terrible. Um, yeah, this, this just gets me fired up because I, you know, thinking about it from a, from a hitter's perspective even, like I said, I trained my whole life 60 feet, six inches away and to move it back, it throws off everything. So I am not a fan of it. I actually think it's a terrible idea and I actually I, I don't foresee it getting to the big leagues, but I really hope it doesn't because yeah, terrible, terrible idea. But I want to transition into my six-tool player of the week. This week it is Mookie Betts of the Los Angeles Dodgers. So we talked about earlier the series down in San Diego this week, the Padres and the Dodgers. Well, the Saturday game. With, which was the first of a great pitching matchup, Kershaw and uh, Darvish. This is a 2 to nothing game going into the ninth inning. Da- uh, Padres have runners on second and third, bottom of the ninth, two outs, line drive into the gap. Looks for sure, for sure, like a game-tying double, maybe a single, but for sure both runs are going to score. Mookie Betts comes flying out of nowhere, makes the catch of the year and that's not an exact this this is the catch of the year to this point um and look you know this isn't this isn't a stats based award there's a real definition for what this award is about but i can point to it and it's right there when he sits up catches it bangs his chest everyone in the world gets fired up look i'm getting goosebumps just looking at it it was so sick mookie Betts flying out of nowhere making the catch of the year beating his chest energy everywhere Best catch of the year, and that is why Mookie Betts is this week's six-tool player of the week. And speaking of Mookie Betts, this week we saw Jackie Robinson Day, and Mookie Betts is one of over 200 players who donated his game check from that day to the Players Alliance. So a a really cool gesture by Mookie. And I actually wanted to talk for a second about uh, Jackie Robinson Day. It's a really cool day for me. I get really, I get emotional watching it. Um, you know, I, I grew up playing this game since I was young, and, and I get to play Division One baseball. But it changes when you get to, to professional baseball. It really does. I go into a clubhouse, and for the first time, I'm surrounded by, I'm surrounded by guys my age that guys my age, guys that aren't my age. I'm surrounded by white people. I'm surrounded by black people. I'm surrounded by Latino players. It, it's, it's all of it. And, and I, I played for five years and built some of the most incredible relationships of my life with these guys. And, and when I sit back and watch Jackie Robinson Day happen and watch everyone out there take the field wearing number 42, it's emotional, man. It, it really is. Um, because that, that wouldn't have happened 
Um, you know, some of the best memories of my life uh, sharing a locker room with the guys that I did would not have happened if it wasn't for Jackie Robinson. We wouldn't have guys like my six-tool player of the week, Mookie Betts, playing baseball. We wouldn't have guys like Fernando Tatis Jr. playing baseball. And that was all because of what Jackie did. He broke the color barrier. So when that day comes around every year, Jackie Robinson Day, when every single person takes the field wearing number 42, man, it means a lot to me. It's a really, really cool and a really emotional day. And that's why I got Jackie on my, uh, on my locker over here. You know, I got a few lockers up here. And Jackie Robinson was one of the ones that I wanted to have in there because of what he means to the game of baseball and, and the game that I love so much and the game that I know you guys love so much. Uh, so thank you, Jackie Robinson. And this week, we saw another Jackie Robinson day come and go and everybody wearing number 42. Just a really cool day. So that does it for this week's episode of Flippin' Bats. Make sure, one, you get your voicemail questions in, and two, make sure you're following everywhere. Make sure you're following on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube. The show is on video on YouTube or, and all socials, so make sure you follow those. Make sure you're subscribing. Uh, hit that subscribe button. Rate it five stars if you think it deserves five stars, which hopefully you do. But another Good episode in the books. Wanted to thank Jeff McNeil for joining me. And thank you guys again for tuning into this week's episode of Flippin' Bats. Until next time, peace. It's a blowout. Eighth inning, 10-3. Bases are loaded for Verlander, who waits on a great He swings, and it's a high fly ball. Deep center field. It is gone. Home run. And a huge bat flip to celebrate.